Here's on the clock. It's over. It's over. Chiefs fans, this is the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57. If you want Chiefs, follow the leader. Sports Radio 810 WHB. It could have been prettier. It could have been uglier. It could have been better. It could have been worse. Chris Jones got his money. Travis Kelsey did not get 1,000 yards. But the Kansas City Chiefs get one more regular season win and defeat the Los Angeles Chargers by a barn-burning final score of 13. 13 to 12. Welcome in to a, believe it or not, regular season edition of the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. I am Joshua Briscoe, Dylan Michaels behind the glass, Covell Hudson producing as well. We're going to give you a real show in what was, uh, in relation to what was a not so real game. It was sort of a postseason, preseason game in many ways. Uh, maybe a bowl game, if you will, with some opt outs, uh, with, uh, you know, maybe some players trying to raise their stock in Chris Jones's case in a very literal financial sense. We will take a few phone calls tonight, and we will hear all the usual things we usually get. Uh, Andy Reid and Blaine Gabbert, of course, at the podium in place of Patrick Mahomes today. Plus, I bet we hear from Chris Jones and uh, everything surrounding that. There are some funny things, and I really think some interesting kind of big-picture Chiefs things that we can talk about tonight, we can talk about throughout the rest of the week. But I will warn you on the front end here, folks, I am not going to waste your time tonight because Sunday Night Football right here on your home for the NFL Sports Radio 8. 10 WHB, we will have the game that matters. Sunday Night Football, Dolphins, Bills. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and switch the TVs I got in here on over to that to make sure I know where everything's going to be at. Because while we're still doing the show as we do it, I'll keep you posted when that game kicks off in about an hour or so. Uh, but then we will get out of the way even quicker than usual um, because I think that game right now is certainly the most important thing that's going to happen to the Chiefs today, barring injury news, which uh, certainly we hope is relatively minor when Andy Reid takes the podium uh, concerning about Wanya Morris as he looks to be, I think he was officially placed into the concussion protocol. That certainly appeared to be what was going on around then. He was uh, ruled out with the head injury. So, um, again, getting updates on injury things, that's going to be the biggest part of the immediate future for the Chiefs. But right now, here's where they stand with the game tonight, and then we'll dig into some of the narratives from today and then a few individual performances. Here's where we end up here for the game we'll be talking about around this time next weekend. I guess you could see um, Saturday or Monday action on Super Wild Card Weekend, but we'll uh, we'll get closer to that. We'll know more about that tomorrow morning. If the Miami Dolphins win on Sunday Night Football tonight, the Chiefs host the Pittsburgh Steelers, quarterbacked by Mason Rudolph, probably without T.J. Watt, in what would be their first playoff game of this season, and it could be longer than that, but I'm you know giving them the chance to theoretically win a playoff game. But if the Dolphins win, the Chiefs host the Steelers. That is the best-case scenario in the AFC, anywhere on any seeding line. The best thing you can get besides a first-round bye, when you don't have to prepare for an opponent, don't have to physically go through the wear and tear of a game, the next best thing is getting Mason Rudolph's team without their best player with T.J. Watt having got hurt in their game yesterday. If the Bills win tonight, we get the Tyreek Hill return to Arrowhead that we thought we may not get after the league sent Chiefs-Dolphins to Germany. So we will either have 
a high flying but offensively a team that was without Mostert and Waddle tonight. A win healthy, certainly very high flying Miami Dolphins offense will be coming to Arrowhead if the Bills win tonight. Although the Dolphins have so much wear and tear on the defensive side as well. They're not as healthy as they were when they faced off in Germany, but I also don't necessarily want to face a, a high flying offense that way when I don't know how much the Chiefs can score at will, even with a defense that's been underperforming and, and banged up as of late, certainly. I will be wearing the teal tonight. I will be rooting for the Miami Dolphins. I would advise you do the same. Not that it really matters. You know, I think uh, both these teams are going to try to win. And right now, I think I'd probably pick Buffalo to win this game tonight. But this is also not a situation where the Bills need to win to get in. We talked about that some last week, that the Bills in this game might have to have it to make the playoffs at all. That is not the case, because if the Bills uh, lose this game, the Chiefs get the Steelers. And the Bills go back to Miami again next week for that playoff matchup. Either way, great narratives, great games, and we will keep you updated on all of that uh, as the show goes on, and then we'll get out of your way a little earlier than usual to make sure you can hear as much of Sunday Night Football as we can bring you right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. The storylines tonight. Uh, let's start with the kind of micros of some individual players before I zoom way, way out, because I don't know how far down the line we'll get here. Uh, the guys we wanted to see coming into this game, Felix and Yudika Uzama, Neil Farrell, B.J. Thompson on the defensive line. Saw a couple plays from all of those guys. We'll be very interested to see what the snap counts end up being. We can dig into that more tomorrow in the zone. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll get the snap counts out and do some dissecting of what we learned there. Again, also tomorrow we'll know who the Chiefs are playing. But uh, FAU had a few plays on uh, kind of spread across the game a little bit, and then long stretches of not really making any obvious impact to me. Uh, Neil Farrell made himself seen early on. He's a big, big man, uh, but again, not really any consistent work from him. I think he had another tackle for loss later in the game. Uh, BJ Thompson saw him out there, made a play or two. Happy to see that. Again, this is going to be like off-season stuff. I, I imagine that at some point uh, in the off-season, I will go back and watch all the B.J. Thompson reps in this game to try to kind of analyze where he's going to be. But really, if we're talking about defensive ends, I think Malik Herring has an argument to make for a playoff active roster spot if the Chiefs do want to up that rotation. But he's been a healthy scratch since Aminahu got back, and uh, you'd have to scratch Felix to bring uh, Herring in. So that's kind of a, a, a fight for one spot there. Something we can dig in more over the course of the rest of the week. The wide receiver position was interesting because I wanted to see, hey, is there a world in which McCole Hardman is making real impacts in the playoffs, continuing to work back from his injury after the IR stint, got a lot of work tonight, and made some big plays. He also probably cost Blaine Gabbert an, an, an interception that should have been a long completion because Hardman stopped running on the route, did not see the football, did not know the ball was coming his way. He also had... A good defensive play, but also a little bit of a, a mental mishap when he was forced out of bounds and then came back in, caught the ball. That part doesn't bother me because you're a receiver. Fight for the ball and make the catch. But then he comes out celebrating the first down. He had no idea he was out of bounds. Again, that's just it, it's the, the defender using the, the boundary and McCall Hardman fighting for the football, which is not a thing that Chiefs receivers have been terribly burdened by lately. It's, it, it was a good day for McCall Hardman, and I think there's a world that he might be this team's second-best wide receiver right now, damning with faint praise, et cetera, et cetera, but that... That is where I'm at right now. A couple of the, the mental mistakes that when MVS makes those, we lose our minds. McCole Hartman makes them, but it's bookended by some, some fun plays for him. 
I am interested in seeing more from Hardman when the playoffs arrive. Matt Lane, our friend from the KC Sports Network, uh, tweeted about that 37-yarder, the, the deep over. He said, this is this is also why getting Hardman healthy could be huge for Kansas City, someone who could actually run and pressure defenses vertically. I'm with him on all of that. I want to see Hardman get involved that way when the playoffs come around, and, and I think he deserves it in the receiver rotation with where it stands at this moment. On the other side, Justin Ross flashed in this game. You saw a couple of those plays. You're like, oh, yeah, there's a big man going up and making a big catch. Two catches for 17 yards, but ended up leaving the game and then was uh, pretty quickly thereafter ruled out with, I believe, a hamstring. We'll get more injury news from Andy Reid in a little bit. And then tomorrow, I'm sure he'll be able to go a little bit more in-depth in terms of what happened to these guys who are out there. But that's sort of the individual performance stuff that I think matters from this game. Three big-picture things I will take with me from this game, or at least the things surrounding this game. Three big-picture things. One is what we learned about two hours before game time. Travis Kelsey was not going to play in this game, and he would not get to the 1,000-yard receiving mark for what would have been the eighth consecutive season. It is frustrating, totally understandable why he's not playing in this game, but it is frustrating on a level that actually perfectly fits this season to me. Why didn't Travis Kelsey get 1,000 yards this year? Step one, he didn't play in week one, and then was working back from injury issues after that and throughout so much of the early part of the season. But he misses week one because of a freak injury suffered on, I think, the last play of the last practice before the season kicked off. And this year he had some drops that would have gotten him the extra yardage he needed. Kadarius Toney's offsides penalty took yards off of his stat sheet that would have left him over 1,000. He ended up with 88 total yards over the last three games combined. He was the only target defenses had to plan for at least until Rasheed Rice took his jump. And all of those things, that combination is what makes a 984-yard season feel like a letdown. Because if Tony's lined up on sides, if Kelsey makes a couple more catches, if he gets a little more work in the last few games of the year, if defenses, if if DeAndre Hopkins is on this team, if Calvin Ridley is on this team instead of Kadarius Tony, I mean, you can do so many butterfly effect things here, but in in so many random iterations of this season, Travis Kelsey's a thousand yard receiver before this game even kicked off, and none of it, none of it will matter if the Chiefs win a Super Bowl because Travis Kelsey looks like Travis bleeping Kelsey in the playoffs. Being 16 yards short of a 1,000-yard season will not matter with a third third Lombardi trophy of this era. Going back-to-back will not matter one bit. Trade that in every year. And it wouldn't have mattered if he would have come in in this game, gotten a 1,000 yards, and then on that play had his knee hyperextend again or something worse even. None of that would have been worth him getting to 1,000 yards. But for this season, I think it's kind of fitting to say it's a disappointing end 
and what ends up being the end of a terrible of a, of a terribly impressive streak ends at the hand of a year where just everything felt like it was going wrong for this offense at different times. So that's why I'm left with that being a little bit frustrating, although completely understandable why he wasn't out there today. It's a bummer way for the streak to end. I mentioned Wanya Morris. That's another big thing, just tracking his status. I don't know where Donovan Smith is at. I, I don't think he would have played today, even if this game did matter. And they had to leave a lot of starting linemen out there. Juwan Taylor leaves and comes back. But then there's one other part of this game, and then we'll take a couple of the calls we got on the on the line here, and we'll keep chugging through to get you to Sunday Night Football tonight. But I want to talk about Chris Jones. Some of this is fun. Some of this is stupid. Some of this is heartwarming. Some of it is concerning. And it's all kind of perfect for how his season has gone. Chris Jones today had 12 pressures on 31 pass rushes and one sack. Now the Chiefs were trying to make it easy for him to go get the quarterback. He was talking to everybody on the sidelines, telling Andy Reid he wanted to go back in and try to get one more half sack to get $1.25 million, a tremendous ratio if you can get it. Now, a lot of times when I found out this morning, you know, this afternoon that, that Jones was active, and especially when he took the field, I begun to have I began to have a lot of guesses about a lot of things I didn't know for sure. But it doesn't feel great. Because the Chiefs and Clark Hunt could have turned that incentive into just a bonus for Chris Jones. And they chose not to. And it wasn't, hey, we're not going to pay you and we're going to force you to rest here. It's we're going to leave this to you, essentially. It's my understanding at this point because they totally could have said hey you got the nine and a half sacks and we know that if you played in this game if this game mattered you'd have another half sack so we're just going to pay you this money they chose not to do that which forced Chris Jones to go out there and play like three quarters of football in a game that did not matter the week before they will play a playoff game that matters tremendously they kept him out there to get that half sack he ended up getting the full sack but to get that half sack so he could quote-unquote, earn it in a game when the rest of the stars were in sweats or at least wearing hats on the sidelines. Speculatively, that is not something that you do to a player you have a great relationship with or that you have hope of getting a long-term deal done with. And look, it's the bed that Chris Jones and more directly the Cats brothers, who we will get to, it's a bed they made. He sat out week one. You, you know what would help you get that extra sack? Play in week one in a game that matters. Maybe you win that football game. Maybe the rest of your season goes a little bit differently from there on out, and you don't have to be out there in week 18. I, I'm not saying that, that Chris Jones has been terribly mistreated by this football team or the front office or anything like that. That's not true. But when you're talking about, yeah, no, I mean, Chris Jones out there is going to get a half sack. What, what, why, why make him actually play for it and risk him getting hurt when he is vital to this team, Super Bowl chances. I'm saying Clark Hunt should have written the check. Take this entire thing out of the picture. Because he, now, he's writing the check anyway. You just took on a lot of unnecessary risk by putting him out there. However, this isn't really about Clark Hunt. 
or Chris Jones. It's about something that actually I ended up being involved in as the game went on here in a way that I didn't expect today, but I'll accept. It's at 5.30 today, Michael J. Katz, one of the Katz brothers, tweeted, 1.25 million, let's go, at Stone Cold Jones, 10.5 sacks. No one had interacted with that tweet very much, and so I quote tweeted it with a picture of George W. Bush standing in front of the Mission Accomplished sign. And then the snowballing began. I'm claiming first blood on this one, and I really have no gripe about it because I don't respect the way they went about their business this offseason. They cost their client money and made themselves a show out of it. So I'm really comfortable pointing at these two agents and saying, no, they flubbed this whole thing, and now they're taking victory laps. I'm going to keep splitting this down, so don't, don't decide what I've, what I've told you yet. Don't, don't, don't make up your mind on how, what, what angle I'm taking here. So I tweet about it. A lot of other Chiefs fans start tweeting about it. A little bit of time goes by, and this post has been deleted. He had another one quote tweeting, um, someone else tweeting out the Chris Jones highlight and the incentive that it triggered, and then other people jumped on that one as well. He has also deleted that quote tweet of his. And so not that there was ever any doubt, but do let today be yet another conversation ender that Chris Jones' holdout and the Katz brothers cost Chris Jones money, short-term and long-term. He missed a game check and got incentives that led him to playing in week 18. And if that's the reason Clark Hunt said I'm not signing off on it, it's, it's playing some petty little games, but I think Clark Hunt in this case would have earned the right to because the games the Cats brothers played were foolish. They misjudged and misjudged and misjudged, missed a game, basically got incentives that if he hit all of those would have been actually comparable to some sort of raise. He did not hit all of his incentives. He is not going to be the defensive player of the year uh, and, and also Super Bowl champion, which I think were the two that were bundled together. What it ended with was unnecessary injury risk for their only relevant client, by the way. Chasing Easton Stick around in week 18 while the other faces of this franchise were in sweats. Chris Jones should have been in sweats in this game. He should have been in sweats getting ready for the playoffs after 17 well-earned game checks on a massive new contract the Chiefs were offering him. Instead, we're going to go into another offseason of a tag and trade. If the Chiefs just let him walk, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'm sure the Cats brothers have a great plan in place. And it just frustrates me so deeply. And it's perfect that Michael Katz got on Twitter today and tried to celebrate Chris Jones earning back the money that they lost him when he sat out the first game of the season. He could have sat out the last game of the season and you would have never had to be up there squeezing Chris Jones, you and your brother bookending him in a skybox in week one. When the Chiefs lost a football game and raised a banner. You were in a suite. Really frustrates me that then to attempt to parlay that into a celebration of your great agent work is infuriating. 
So if you'd like to see the original tweet, I've screenshotted it. Um, with the uh, this tweet has been deleted uh, underneath it. You can uh, follow it uh, on Twitter at JB Briscoe if you'd like to see. There's lots of other great quote tweets that are unfortunately going to be harder to find now because sometime after he apparently looked at Twitter for the first time in six months, I'd imagine he decided, oh, people don't people don't think that this is. Oh, I, I see. People are pointing out the fact that this was this was lost money that he found in week 18. I've never heard from the Katz brothers. I've never spoken to them. I'm sure that at least Michael didn't appreciate my quote tweet today. I'd be happy to talk to either of them at any point ever so they can explain to me how their 4D chess worked here. Because it's honestly embarrassing. And I don't know if they're going to get to negotiate a long-term deal for Chris Jones or not. I don't know if they're going to be around. Or if Jones is going to look around and say, oh, yes, wait a second, everybody's pointing out that my agents cost me money this year and then celebrated it when I got back a chunk of it at the end. Chris Jones deserves so much better than he has gotten. He is an elite football player. He is at worst the third most important player on this Chiefs team and has been for a while. And unfortunately, he's playing on an incentive-laden one-year deal because his agents completely misplayed their hand. It's really disappointing. I am glad that Chris Jones got his money. And to put a bow on it here, I think it's telling in an excellent way what you saw on the sidelines after Chris Jones got that sack. Chris Jones got that sack, and his teammates went nuts. There was more emotion then than there was in the sidelines when they clinched the AFC West. I think that's actually true. Spags, the hug after. Jones and Andy Reid, the hug after. For whatever happened in the front office, Andy Reid is not is not pissed at Chris Jones. Because he kept sending him out there knowing Chris Jones wanted his money, and that every time he went out there, there was at least a small chance he'd come back injured. But Andy Reid respects Chris Jones and how good of a player he is, and his teammates love him, which is why you saw that whole sideline erupt when one of the wealthiest guys on the team got an extra 1.25. He doesn't need that money like Isaiah Pacheco needs it. Pacheco was losing it. He was making it rain. Isaiah Pacheco making 1.25 this year? Let's find out together. Undrafted free agent running back. What's Isaiah Pacheco's salary right now? Last year, Isaiah Pacheco made less than eight hundred grand. This year, it's less than nine hundred grand. Isaiah Pacheco will not have one single year where he makes one point two five million dollars at any point in his rookie contract. Chris Jones made Isaiah Pacheco's salary and a half on one play, and he was thrilled for him. This team loves Chris Jones, and appropriately so. I don't think the front office loves Chris Jones. I don't think the ownership loves Chris Jones. I think, I'm sure Brad Veach does, because he, he knows what he is as a football player. I don't think Clark Hunt loves Chris Jones. I don't think Clark Hunt enjoyed the way things went throughout the first part of the season. And Chris Jones wasn't in there negotiating his own contract, where it's like, oh, you could even blame him for that. The worst thing Chris Jones did was having representation that squandered his, his relationship with the front office. And that's too bad. But I'm glad he got his money tonight. 
We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, take the calls that are on the line right now, and then uh, we will eventually hear from Andy Reid, Blaine Gabbert, probably Chris Jones at the podium, and we'll chug on along as we get you to the AFC East Championship game, essentially, as the Bills and Dolphins will kick off in a little while, and we'll bring you most of that game here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Let's take a timeout. This post has been deleted. Edward lines up top of your picture on 36. Stick buried, and it's Chris Jones, and he finally gets to the quarterback. And look at the reaction on that Kansas City sideline. Pay that man his money. <laughs> and all Andy Reid cares about is getting one of his defensive stars off this field healthy. Where you think they love Chris Jones down in that locker room? Yeah. Look at the reaction from his teammates. A million and a quarter bonus. You got to separate the impact of Chris Jones, how Chris Jones is treated by his teammates and coaches, and then what's going on with the money deciders on his side and on the Chiefs' side. Three different conversations, but Chris Jones is a stupendous football player who had a pretty sweet play right there to cash in $1.25 million. It's our sweet play of the game brought to you by Andy's Frozen Custard. Stop by Andy's Frozen Custard, grab an 87 concrete, and help Travis's 87 and running foundation with every purchase. Do good while eating deliciousness. Andy's, top your day with a smile. Certainly Chris Jones topping his day with a big smile. Uh, We will hear from uh, the press conferences as things go on, although it's a little bit of a weird setup with them being on the road in a game that uh, did not fully matter. So we'll keep everything up to date as we go. Uh, A little bit from Andy Reid on Chris Jones and and Travis Kelsey and and where their uh, separate paths led them. But we'll break that down a little bit later as we go. In the meantime, let's get these phone calls in. George and Dan, appreciate you both waiting on hold. George, you're up first, sir. What's going on? How you doing? Best of the new year to you, sir. To you as well, George. Haven't heard from you in a bit, but glad to talk to you. Glad to hear from you. Sir, was there a financial component to Kelsey, his stat, versus Jones and his stat? There was not. Okay. That would have been the only reason that I would have seen him wanting to play. Yep. Everything else would have been totally irrelevant. Yep. Uh, And, of course, had Chris Jones played in the first game with Detroit, and had Detroit won, we might be seeing a two-seed or a one-seed. Yep. Let alone a three-seed. Yep. So the dominoes do fall. They sure do. And unpleasantly so. Uh, with the playoffs now in our front windshield instead of the rearview mirror, uh, what is your take on the lack of concern, and I say it cautiously, the lack of concern for having them sit a week, isn't there that rust factor that sometimes creeps up in letting people stay out a week? Yeah, it's uh, it, whenever you have two weeks in a row, I know for sure that is something that coaches are kind of on guard about and something we talk about. In this case, especially just because of like watching Mahomes and Kelsey and how hard it feels like the offense has been pressing, I'm... I'm glad the guys who got the time off got the time off. But I hear you. I, I do I do think there's something to it. They, they also talk about it this week in terms of like actually still preparing for the Chargers to stay in those rhythms. But mentally and physically, it does it did feel like, to me, a team that could use a break. And while, of course, you've got Pittsburgh as the preferred villain mm-hmm. to come into Arrowhead, uh, if, if uh, we do get Tyreek in, it would be the only chance we get because if Miami's still the two-seed, 
you know, we'll never see them here in, in Arrowhead. Right, yeah. No, the, if if you want that game, you can root for Buffalo tonight, and uh, I, I think you'll you'll probably be on the winning side. I haven't checked to see where that line's at now, but I can't imagine it's good news for Miami. And, of course, you realize I was kind of flipping really back and forth all day Yes, today. I have to imagine. Because, uh, uh, of course, my game was well in hand <laughs> a lot sooner than yours was. And you got to watch the Eagles fall apart continuously. I mean, oh, it's a win-win for you, right? So <laughs> oh, So, yes, we will, we will have to only deal with one Kelsey this year. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's true. And, and, listen, your Cowboys may not see any of them, so... Uh, good, good luck with that, George. I'm, I'm glad you get to, uh, get to claim a, a division. And, uh, I, you know, we all, we all have a, a common enemy in Nick Sirianni at this point, I think. So you, you will find friends amongst, uh, amongst the, the fellows in Chiefs Kingdom. Enjoy your new year, sir, with you and the young lady. Thank you very much, George. Enjoy yours as well. Always good to hear from you, my friend. I know. Uh, let's hit Dan here also. Dan, appreciate you waiting on hold, man. What's going on? Hey, Joshua, how you doing? Happy New Year, Chiefs, too. Yeah, it was a great win by the Chiefs. Yeah, how about a man you stripping the stick and Edwards picking it up, going all the way for the touchdown? Yeah, I agree with you. I I, I understand why Kelsey's trying to sit, sit out. You know, he wanted the rest. You know, yeah, I know he could have. He was okay with not getting that thousand yards. And I, I can, I did understand why Chris Jones. He, he needed that one. To go out there and the $12 million, I really didn't understand why he was so out there. You know, everybody getting hurt, to, you know, today. But I understood, you know, why. So, let's, I want all these tone for the Dolphins tonight. Let's see. If, if uh, Bills win, I don't mind seeing Harry coming in. How about those Cowboys, huh, Joshua? And I think the Eagles are a mess. What do you think? Do you think they'll win in Tampa? <laughs> Dan, I appreciate it as always. Let me yeah. tell you, take care of yourself, Dan. You too. You too, Joshua. Take care. Good back-to-back calls. Good energy from Dan and George. Good way to kick things off here. Appreciate you both. Uh, the AFC or the NFC East, pardon me, is uh, is as both of you referenced an absolute calamity for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they're what like two and four since Nick Sirianni uh, yelled his way down the tunnel out of Arrowhead. Uh, I'm not as petty about it as some people might be, and even I'm a little bit petty about it. I think that's kind of funny. Um, and that defense stinks. They, I don't know if we've seen seriousness for A.J. Brown's injury yet. I didn't. Act, I haven't actually seen it. I know Dylan was like described it at one point, but you know, during the Chiefs game. Um, so A.J. Brown seemed like that could be serious. Jalen Hurts seems like they just popped that finger back in. That was unpleasant. But yeah, no, that, that Eagles team has legitimate problems right now. And I mean, both, both last year's Super Bowl uh, participants are ending this year with some legitimate giant questions. Uh, but, I mean, so much of the league, we did that exercise in the zone on Friday of, like, what what would your four teams be if you had to bet your life on on four squads? And I ended up with the Chiefs, Buffalo, and Miami from the AFC side. and or Excuse me, the Chiefs, Miami, and Baltimore from the AFC side. And, obviously, if Miami loses tonight and they have to play Buffalo and then or have to play Kansas City, that is, uh, that's not ideal for that little four pick four game, but there's so much unknown. There is so much chaos right now in the playoffs that it's why the Chiefs do need to be in that conversation every time for teams who could actually win the whole dang thing still. For as many problems as they have had, for as flawed of a team as they have been, they're in good company. The Niners, probably, you you probably pick San Francisco. Baltimore, you'll probably take the Ravens. But outside of that, I am really thinking right now, Pittsburgh and Kansas City, give me the Chiefs. Don't have to hesitate. Miami and Kansas City, let's see how they look tonight. Let's let's see what they look like uh, when they are a little bit shorthanded, no waddle, and certainly Mostert's out as well, and just 
brutalized defensively by injuries. I'm really curious to see what Buffalo does against them. I'd rather see Pittsburgh than Miami in Kansas City. I just think Miami's got a gear Pittsburgh simply does not have, especially without T.J. Watt. So I think I, I will certainly be rooting for Miami. I think for the Chiefs, the best thing tonight is a win for Miami. But we will uh, we'll have to follow that along. And you can listen right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. We'll take a timeout of our own here. And when we come back, we'll continue to break down what we saw from the Chiefs today, what's going to happen in this game tonight, and uh, what we learned lesson-wise, again, from either the Kelsey side, the Jones side, the offensive line, or some of those younger players that made more of an impact. We'll talk about it all as we roll on here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City. On third and goal, football comes loose. Kansas City has it with Edwards, and he's off and running. Edwards has a blocker, and he's going to take the rock all the way back for Kansas City touchdown. 97 yards. It was Charles Omenahu who knocked it loose, and what a turn of events. Charles Amenahu started it. Mike Edwards finished it with six. Only touchdown of the game, huh? Is that right? Hold on. Right? That happens. That just hit me. I, I didn't I didn't realize. I mean, I know this game was pretty kicker heavy. But that's six right there for the Chiefs defense. They create a turnover and house it. It's our defensive play of the game brought to you by Slagle Fence. Slagle Fence, as Kansas City's preferred fence company, has been serving the KC metro areas for over a decade, offering security and style. Call 816-863-6159 or go to slagelfence.com for your free estimate. It was a day of the Chiefs defense doing... Some of the Chiefs defense things we've seen with the full starting crew. Some of the role players stepped up and did make some big plays. And uh, overall, I mean, you get Easton Stick and a, a Chargers offense that's not exactly high-flying. But they do have Austin Eckler and Joshua Palmer. And um, you know, they tried to make Quentin Johnston a thing. We've talked about him plenty on this radio station over the last several months. But ultimately, uh, a pretty a pretty weak effort from the Chargers and the Chiefs defense stays strong. The first touchdown of the game in the first quarter comes from Mike Edwards and then the scorers from that point on went Harrison Butker, Cameron Dicker, Cameron Dicker, Cameron Dicker, Cameron Dicker, Harrison Butker for the lead. The Chiefs win, and I, I do enjoy that they actually won this game. I mean, 17 game, uh, Schedule still don't sit right with me in terms of like final standings and everything, but going eleven and six certainly feels better than going ten and seven. That's gross. Eleven and six, they're an eleven win team. I don't know. If, I think they're most of their over unders in entering the year were at eleven and a half or higher. Um, so you know, I'm not sure it not sure it saved your your bet slips anywhere. But point being, the Chiefs do get the victory and do survive um, with uh, ending the season on on what feels a little nicer to to have the victory. However, it was it was Travis Kelsey not playing and Chris Jones playing as long as he did that really were the main stories in this game. Um, Jesse Newell a second ago tweeted out a, a clip. He's there in L.A. and uh, talked to uh, Chris Jones in the locker room. And I, I've now lost the tweet that was in front of me. But he said that Chris Jones is and that initially the plan was for him to play a quarter of this game today. He uh, 
He played much more than that in in pursuit of that half sack that got him a little more than a million dollars in uh, extra bonuses. Again, bonuses that he wouldn't have needed to have to get if he would have uh, not forfeited a game check in week one and would have just played along from the jump. He could have not set out training camp. There are lots of different ways that he could have, um, you know, figured that out. Lots of ways he could have uh, made a little extra money from the couch cushions. But I digress because I already went through all of that in the first segment. I will say though that Chris Jones in his performance today looked a lot like the uh, you know the 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 Bama recruit who uh, is still still playing one more year at his high school. He, he's already he's already signed. He's going to Tuscaloosa, but uh, he's still finishing out his high school career. Excuse me, I got choked up just thinking about it. Nothing funnier than watching a huge high schooler absolutely dominate a whole bunch of uh, just sort of kids who are about to go. Just for just to pick a random one about to go be multimedia majors in college. But like the running back is definitely at least a four star. Not that I've ever been on the wrong side of that, but my major was multi. Huh. Point being, it was legitimately a tremendous performance from Chris Jones, even as the Chiefs were lining him up to try to get him that sack as early as possible. Took him a while to get that one sack, but 12 pressures on 31 pass rushes is crazy, and Easton Stick had a mark on Chris Jones. He knew where that threat was coming from, and uh, still... Even as the Chiefs made Chris Jones go out there and get that 1.25 milli, he did get it done. And so he gets the green light brought to you by Greenlight Dispensary. Greenlight Dispensary has outstanding customer service, superior product, and has been continuously voted Missouri's best. Open from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. And even if it varies by location, check out their hours at greenlightdispensary.com and find one of their four KC area locations near you today. Again, at greenlightdispensary.com. Got to do the show from the underground out there on Friday. They had a great time, and uh, as always, reminded that all the folks at Greenlight are uh, are stupendous. We're getting closer to kickoff in Dolphins and Bills, which, uh, again, to to clarify what we said at the very beginning of the show, it's very simple at this point now as uh, Sunday Night Football is about to kick off. If the Dolphins win, the Chiefs get the Steelers at home next week. Mason Rudolph and a, char- a uh, Steelers defense, they will most likely be without T.J. Watt. And if the Bills win... The Chiefs get Tyreek Hill's return to Arrowhead as a member of the Miami Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa, Tyreek Hill, maybe Jalen Waddle, and certainly not a couple of their best defensive players. So, for all the ups and downs of either of these teams, uh, that's what we're keeping an eye on going forward as the uh, the playoffs will be set after Sunday Night Football wraps up here tonight. Let's go ahead and take another quick timeout as we uh, wait to hear. Hopefully we're going to hear from, from Reed and Gabbert and whoever else gets to the podium, but uh, being a game out there in L.A. in Week 18, a little uh, harder for us to track down where all of those uh, all those reports and stuff are coming from. So at the very least, I'll give you an update on where, where uh, Andy Reed has left some of the injury news, and we'll sort all that out and begin to bring you all of the info you need from the Chiefs Sort of meaningless, but a few little things worth talking about in their victory over the Chargers, 13-12 to in L.A., but really, it's about Sunday Night Football, and we'll bring you that coming up soon here on 810. So first down, Gabbard steps up in the pocket, delivers it to straight first down, and Hardman inside the 10. What a pass, what a catch, and Hardman... Hoping to become a factor in this offense as he gets himself physically right. He picks up 37. That started with really nice work in the pocket by Gabbert to step up. And then Hardman able to just snatch it out of the air, break the tackle of Samuel Jr. And 
and run with that football after the catch. Really a nice, a nicely executed play from top to bottom. Gabbard to Hardman, big play, first and goal. Usually a play like that would be our Mahomes magic moment. Today it's our Blaine Train play of the game. Brought to you by Champion Heating and Cooling. Keep your family warm this winter with their Champion Premium Furnace. Find your local Champion dealer at championhomecomfort.com. And don't forget to ask about their free 10-year parts and labor warranty. Always leading, never compromising, championhomecomfort.com. That was a great play, and again, everything going on with McCole Hardman right now is extremely interesting to me, as he really will have an impact on what happens in the postseason. Uh, obviously, we saw no uh, Rasheed Rice. He was ruled out early because of uh, the injury that kept him out of practice all week. We'll see. Hopefully, that's a, a more of a precautionary thing. But Hardman leaves the, leads the Chiefs in receiving today by uh, quite a healthy margin. Six catches for 77 yards and that 37-yard long. He had 11 targets. Holy smokes. I feel like I missed a couple of those. I did not expect double-digit targets there to, uh, to Hardman. But he did good work with the targets he got. As I mentioned earlier, that the play where he drifts out of bounds, or it's kind of run out of bounds. Again, it's a relatively good defensive play. Um, but when the, the defender uses the boundary there and he comes back in, and catches it as an ineligible man because he went out of bounds and came back in. You can't do that because if you did it, you know, just to run out of bounds and lose a defender and come back in, you're breaking the rules. Him getting forced out there and catching the ball, he fought for the football. That's a great thing. Again, not something that every Chiefs receiver has been doing this year. But he did come up and, like, celebrate the first down and whatever, like, drop the football, first down signal, whatever it was. It it made me roll my eyes a smidge. I'd be like, come on, Mike. It's not bad to catch that football. In fact, it's good to catch that football because if the defender never went out of bounds and they pick it off, that pick stands. He did the right thing. I was like, well, did he know that he was out of bounds there? And then more importantly, I'm kind of nitpicking on that one a little bit. The deep shot is not nitpicking. Don't stop running. And he didn't see the ball. He didn't know what was coming to him. If that happens with Mahomes throwing a deep shot that gets picked off in the playoffs in Arrowhead next week, I'm going to lose my mind. And so will you. It'll be, well, how does McCole Hardman... Even, you know, relatively fresh off IR and everything. How did he forget that he's supposed to haul when Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback? Maybe he didn't think Blaine Gabbard had that juice in him and that and that it won't be a problem for uh, for Mahomes. Ultimately, again, with one nitpick and one legit bad play, I think the vast majority of the McCole Hardman story today should be a positive one. That he does have something that can stretch defenses in a way they have not had to respect this year. And I hope that that the reps that Hardman got today, I I do believe that those were reps he was getting for his sake, not just because someone needed to run those routes. I think getting Hardman back into a a major role in a game so lightly off IR, I don't remember how many snaps he played last week, but it was not very many at all, to get him significant work there that allows him to hopefully be in in a game-ready place for next week, I, I do think is a big deal. Maybe we even hear from Hardman at some point tonight. We'll see. Um, again, the uh, the distance and the week 18 of it all is making it a little harder for us to track down the audio. But we'll bring you what we can, and I do think that is a, a really important part of, of where this team ends up. Again, Wanya Morris. Uh, in fact, let me see if I can just go ahead and grab the um, the uh, the latest on what Andy reads out of injury-wise. Dylan, I'm going to kick it to you real quick because we talked about something off-air that I after the first segment that I feel like it's fair to mention while I continue to I'm I'm done talking about the Cats brothers. I'm done talking about Chris Jones not having his contract done at the beginning of the year. I'm done with that, Dylan. But you made a point after the first segment that there was a football player doing good football today 
who will not be doing football in the playoffs, who could have been doing football for the Chiefs and making this entire season more fun and then into the playoffs. And uh, tell me again, Dylan, what uh, what DeAndre Hopkins has to do with this? Uh, well, we couldn't sign him because we were still working with Chris Jones and the Cats brothers. So that is more sad news to pile on top of their day after deleting a tweet and not really having any self-awareness whatsoever. So It's absolutely brutal, and it's a horrible thing to remember all over again, and it was a great point that you made, uh, and it gave me time, I believe, to find the information needed to find, so good work, Dylan. That was the check down I needed. I appreciate you uh, getting getting us and moving the chains on that one. Uh, a couple things here. Again, we, we don't have all the audio we usually have right now, but Andy Reid said that Travis Kelsey chose not to play and felt that pursuing the 1,000-yard season would have been selfish. Uh, this Charles Goldman uh, at GoldMCTNFL. On Twitter, um, he, he tweeted out some of the some of the paraphrases here. So shout out to Charles for that. He said he, uh, Andy added that it was different from Jones's sack pursuit because there was no financial element attached, just another record. And Kelsey said he had enough of those. That feels pretty on brand for Travis Kelsey. That seven consecutive thousand yard receiving season for a tight end probably will not ever be broken. Um, just the the amazing number of things that have to continually go perfectly right for that to happen. Unbelievable. Um, but then beyond that, Andy Reid said, uh, Blaine Gabbert with a long run. So who would have thought of that? That's been, again, we'll hear, we'll hear from Reid in a little bit. We will get at least some from him. Uh, but Wanya Morris banged his head is in the concussion protocol, which we saw at the time. Dylan saw that as it happened as well. I think he stayed in for a few plays after that, but eventually left after hitting his head on the ground. Concussion protocol. If it's a Saturday game for the Chiefs, if it's a short week, that would be unfortunate. I do not know the status of Donovan Smith. Um, I, I, and just like he was, he was ruled out for this game. So I don't know if this was like a, hey, there's no way we're going to make you play this week, but you could be available in the playoffs. Or is there a chance that Donovan Smith's season is over going back to the neck issue and the stinger and the thing that is, uh, has kept him with a really inconsistent practice schedule as well. But maybe he'll be good to go. But either way, between him and Wanya Morris, one of them is going to be playing right off of an injury next week or someone else entirely will be. I'll say this, um, if you're giving me no Donovan Smith, no Wanya Morris in the playoff game. I think I'm asking I think I'm asking Joe Tooney to play tackle again. He had to do it a little bit today when Jawan Taylor went out. Taylor went from right tackle to left tackle and Lucas Nyang came to right tackle. I think in a one game sample size, one game to stay alive in this season or not. I think I'm asking Joe Tooney to play left tackle for me. Leaving Jawan Taylor at the right side letting Tooney stay on the same side of the line, and then pop in Nick Allegretti in at left guard. I think that offensive line is just fine. And we've seen we've seen Joe Tooney in a pinch handle that spot. I think that's my backup plan for the playoffs if Wanya Morris can't go. I think that's the, the best five you can get there. Uh, and then Justin Ross, hamstring injury. He was ruled out, like pivoted to being ruled out after being an early questionable. Ruled out pretty quickly there, so concerned to see what the uh, amount of concern is, honestly, from the Chiefs' side. And if you learn anything else tomorrow about that. He made a couple of nice plays tonight, and it was nice to see him get some run and to get some targets. But now we're talking about a hamstring injury the week before the playoffs. So I don't know that Justin Ross is going to be a part of the playoff game plan. And then Jalen Watson has a calf injury. So those are the uh, immediate injury updates for the Chiefs after their win over the Chargers. Meanwhile, Dolphins-Bills just kicked off a few minutes ago. A couple of run plays down, and uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated as things go. But that is just kicking off and with the... Uh, 
with the uh, speed of today's show, we may do some things out of order, and we're going to do everything we can to get you to Dolphins Bills as soon as possible. Let's go ahead and take another quick break here, and then uh, we may come back with either Matt Derrick, we may come back with Andy Reid, we may come back with more of ourselves talking around, but we're shuffling things so we can make sure you hear the AFC East title game, as I will continue to call tonight. The 11-5 and Dolphins win and hold the two-seed with a victory, but if the Bills win, they take the East from Miami. If the Bills win, Miami comes to Kansas City next week. If the Dolphins win, the Chiefs get the Steelers. If they tie, the Chiefs get the Bills. I don't want that to happen. I don't think they're going to tie. But that is one clarification that I will offer. If Dolphins-Bills is a tie, Buffalo comes to Arrowhead. Even as I have been a little bit calmed on the Buffalo hype as they pick off to a Tungavailoa, taking a deep shot on third and seven, essentially a punt. That wasn't a horrible spot to turn the ball over, but... Um, we'll, uh, we'll bring you that. I'd rather end up with Miami and Kansas City than Buffalo next week. Again, the, the amount of things that have to happen for a tie. Not, not likely. But the, uh, the Bills will get the ball for the first time relatively deep in their own territory after the Dolphins turn it over with Tua trying the target Tyree kill downfield. We'll keep bringing you that game and uh, little updates as we go, plus the entirety of the second half right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB, and maybe even some action before that. We'll take our time out, come back, continue to break down what we saw from Chiefs Chargers, look ahead to next week, and uh, hear from either Andy Reid and maybe some Blaine Gabbert, and then eventually Patrick Mahomes here on Sports Radio 8, excuse me, not Patrick Mahomes, Blaine Gabbert and Chris Jones and eventually the AFC East Championship game that rolls on here on your home for the NFL, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Here for the lead with 54. Operation sound. Butker just so good for Kansas City. Arch, don't tell a lot of these guys that uh, this is a meaningless game. None of these guys, second string guys, third string players, practice squad for much of the year. This means something. That was the play that won the game, so it's the play of the game brought to you by Central Bank of the Midwest. At Central Bank of the Midwest, every customer is a first-round draft pick. Central Bank of the Midwest, strong roots, endless possibilities, member FDIC. It is a Chiefs victory, and as you heard there, it absolutely meant some things to the players playing in this game. 13-12, the final score. Chris Jones, $1.25 million heavier, and uh, Travis Kelsey got to enjoy a day off. We'll talk about all of that with Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. You can also hear him on the 41 is the Mike podcast with Nick Jacobs. Matt Derrick's brought to you by Cap One Lending. The Freedom Loan at Cap One Lending is the exclusive loan that helps you pay your home off in less than half the time and gives you access to your home's equity without having to refinance. Go to CapOneLending.com. Matt, if I give you the entire uh, buffet of things to take away from this game, what did you think was the most important development for the 2023-2024 Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, the most important development, I would say it's probably a, a handful of the guys who looked really, really good that you might need to play some big roles for you next year. Uh, you know, you've got a couple of linebackers who are free agents this year, and I tell you what, Cam Jones looks yeah. like he's ready to play right now. Yep. Um, that, that would not he's bother me at all. 
Um, I think he and Jack Cochran had, what, 20 tackles between them? Uh, hey, Jack Cochran had to be your backup Mike next year, and you got Cam Jones playing your Sam, and you got Leo Chanel still around. I mean, Dick Bolton. I'd feel okay with i feel okay with that group, and that doesn't preclude the idea that either Willie Gay or Drew Tranquil comes back. But uh, I think the reason, one of the biggest reasons why this Chiefs team won today, is that they're they have a really good backup linebacker group. They got some really young safeties on the back end too. I mean, Jamari Connor had a really good game. Uh, those I think were the the I guess they're not unsung since we're singing their praises, you know. But those are the heroes of the game. It was 12 tackles for Jones, 8 for Cochran, like you had at tw- uh, 20 combined, and then 8 more for Shamari Connor and 8 for Jalen Watson also. I mean, no surprise that the defensive backs on this team uh, enjoy the concept of hitting and continue to be good at it. That's sort of a calling card at this point, I guess, but I'm with you. And we hadn't talked much about Cam Jones. I'm glad you mentioned him because he really was all over the place. And, and you saw a little bit of that from, from some of those guys. What if we move up a, a gear on the defensive side? Uh, I came into this game wanting to see, really focus on the Chiefs' defense of line and and Felix and Yudike Uzama, uh, Neil Farrell, B.J. Thompson, to some extent Malik Herring, who still seems good at football, which has just sort of been pretty consistent in his time here. I, not exceptional football, but pretty good football by and large. Uh, what did you make of the uh, the front four as it rotated around, not including Chris Jones? Yeah, I was reminded, you know, of something that we also talked about during the week, especially because. Yeah, Felix and Adike Ozama was a little bit of a conversation because we, we talked to Steve Spagnolo and, and Joe Cullen about why he's not playing as much. And really the explanation was, hey, he played quite a bit early in the season when Chris Jones skipped week one and Charles Aminihu was suspended. But since then, you know, they've got a, a pretty deep defensive line that's been playing well and has been healthy. And that's why there hasn't been much opportunity for Felix and for Malik Caring and the B.J. Thompsons of the world and the Neil Farrell. Um, they haven't had, they haven't needed them. So, I mean, that's a great thing for this defense because it means that their starters have been healthy most of the season and have, and their backs have played well. So they haven't had to move out some pieces or anything. But it just reminds you that, hey, you know what? I mean, Malik Herring and Felix Adika Uzama would probably be starters for quite a few teams in this league. I mean, that's, that's just how I think good and deep I think this, this, this defensive line is. I mean, uh, I think they're, I think Felix obviously is going to be ready for a much bigger role next year. I don't think that's going to be a problem. But when you've got that kind of backup ability, I think it just reassures you for the postseason that, hey, if you had to play for a little bit without a Mike Dana, without a you know George Karloftis, without a Derek Naughty or Tershawn Wharton, you'd be okay for a, l- a little bit because these guys can play too. Yeah, the depth is certainly there, and some youth and depth is, is obviously an excellent thing to try to keep this defense good as, you know, like free agency continues to be, you know, a part of the sport. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, what about uh, the Chris Jones aspect of it all? Take me through the, the, the mental process for you when you, you know, saw he was active, saw he was suited up, saw he was on the field, and then stayed on the field for a very, very, very long time in pursuit of uh, half a sack, got a full one there on Easton Stick. Yeah, I, I thought that it might just be a situation where they just put, you know, Chris out there in some obvious passing situations, let him kind of save his strength for some maybe, you know, third and long situations that he could just go out there, maybe he'll go full blast and exert himself on a couple of snaps. Um, but no, they pretty much decided that, hey, Chris, Chris wants that sack, so he's going to stay out there until he gets it. Uh, I think that the Chargers probably would have won this game if Easton Stick in like the first quarter had just said, you know what, I'm going to Brett Favre this. You're Michael Strahan. I'm yep. taking, taking a knee. Um, I'm going to slide down let you get the sack. You can go sit on the bench, Chris, and I'll deal with the backups because 
he terrorized them for the better part of two and a half quarters that they didn't need to. I mean, just just let the man have his sack, Josh, and they could have gotten him off the field, and the Chargers probably win that game. Uh, not that that's a strategy that any coach is going to think of. It's only something that a crazy person like myself would think of. You're so right, though. It's a great but, take. But, I mean, yeah, it's like, I mean, come on, Chargers, you know what's going on here. You know, it's the NFL. Let's, 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 can, we have a, can we have just a little teamwork here? Speaking of teamwork, Josh Allen just threw a crippling interception in the in the Dolphins end zone. So uh, uh, I think it was they said it's his first red zone turnover of the year. So keeping an eye on that as we go in again, as we've mentioned, we'll bring you uh, the grand majority of that game here tonight on eight ten. After we're done talking about Chiefs Chargers, but right now it's Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest with us, presented by Cap One Lending. Um, what do you think that says about Chris Jones? I, I listen. I don't. I don't uh, presume that you heard the first uh, fifteen minutes of the show. You may or may not have seen what happened on Twitter as the Cats brought. Others attempted to get their victory lap for Chris Jones earning back the money they lost for him. Uh, but uh, there, there's there's several different pieces of it to me, Matt, that I think is legitimately interesting. There's the relationship between Jones and his representation and Clark Hunt, who did not do the thing that he could have done and say, we're going to just make this a bonus for you. You got nine and a half. We're all happy here. Sit down and rest up for the playoffs. That notably did not happen. They made Chris Jones go play two and a half quarters to get that to get that sack. Um, there's that side. There is Chris Jones, the football player, and there's the teammate reaction and the coaching staff reaction when he did get that sack. I think all of those things paint some really interesting pictures of of what Chris Jones means to this team and also how bad this last offseason was. But how do you parse it? What what becomes most interesting to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't know completely how we need to, to break down the business of football here because mm-hmm. I still feel like there's probably some machinations involving the bonus money and how it gets paid, that, uh, and the, especially the way that Chris's was structured that probably makes it a little bit more problematic. Um, because I know, for instance, it, I one understanding, even though Chris's bonus incentives are structured in a way that I've never really seen before because mm-hmm. they're – like folded in an option bonus that was a way for the Chiefs to right. give him these likely to be earned bonuses without having them hit the salary cap next year, this year, and let them kind of spread them out over next year in a weird way. And so I think that maybe part of it was that the, I don't not sure the Chiefs could even give him the money without actually paying him on this year's cap. Interesting, which would be a problem. Yeah. Now you know. So that being said. But that is the distinction between like Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey's situation is that, hey, Chris needed his, was going to make his money. And that was a situation that, honestly, I mean, the Chiefs and Chris set up. Like, you, you laid it out. I mean, you know, I think, that the, I think that Chris's representation did not necessarily handle his negotiation the best way possible for him. So they kind of put him in a situation where he was made to play to sing for his supper, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs created that situation, too, because they put the bonuses in there. I mean, they agreed to it. So they put themselves in a position that Chris was going to be in this spot that if he wanted to make his money, he was going to have to play when maybe he didn't need to or shouldn't. So I kind of blame both sides as far as creating the atmosphere. I don't know if there was, I mean, the, the other way around it would have obviously been to structure Chris's contract different and not make it so incentive laden. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess, you know, 2020 hindsight. But I think you also saw at the same time that nobody on that team was begrudging Chris. I right. mean, it's a business. They get it. They want every one of those players to make every one of their bonuses and to stick it to the man, if you will. Yep. <laughs> There's no hard feelings there. I mean, you saw it. I mean, the, I mean, the coaches, the players, everybody was happy for Chris. 
that was the most excited I think I have seen that team all season. Yeah. So if that's what it takes to get them on the same page, so be it. I said this earlier, but I didn't like I, I didn't get to see the sidelines with my own eyes, so I will ask you if this is true. I think they were more excited when Chris Jones got his bonus than they were when they clinched the AFC West. Is that correct? Uh, I would say that that was accurate, yes. Like, that's hilarious. Isaiah Pacheco was more excited for Chris Jones there than anybody else in the stadium, as far as I could tell. And, and Chris Jones, with that sack, made more than Isaiah Pacheco will make in any year of his rookie contract. <laughs> But see, that's the brotherhood. They're all in it together. They're happy for their guy. And, and Chris Jones deserves every every penny of it. I've tried to make that right. distinction very clear. Chris Jones has been the third most important player at worst. I think it's third, but it's at worst. The, like, for a long time now, including this year, and he's been stupendous. I have no ill will whatsoever. Nothing but the opposite of ill will. Great will for Chris Jones. I wish he was on a long-term contract right now, and I wish he had better agents. That's, you can figure out where my vitriol might be. It's not at Chris Jones, though. Yeah, and I, I, felt, I, I felt bad for Chris during you know, Andy's press conference because I know that Andy did not mean for it to come across this way. Yes. But one could absolutely parse his statements into saying, well, Travis was very selfless in, you know, putting aside personal goals this week and saying, you know, he's not going to play for, you know, a thousand yards. But then you have the dichotomy of Chris, just, you know, playing with his hair on fire, trying to get that sack to make his money. But then again, you know, Travis didn't have any money at stake for that. I mean, it was just pride. So, you know, you kind of see why the decisions. And I, I am, I'm, Ninety-nine point nine percent sure that that Andy would absolutely object if anybody put those words in his mouth that he's calling one selfish and one you know selfless. Nice. I don't think that's what he meant. But you created the situation that you got two players who were in that spot, and then you kind of make it look that way. And, yeah. and I don't think that anybody on that team thinks that Chris Jones was being selfish. Selfish. But I also think that they do think that that was a pretty stand-up decision by Travis Kelsey to not play and to sacrifice a a personal attainment, you know, because he knows he needs the rest, and he certainly needs the rest more than Chris Jones does. And to you're actually batting ahead of Andy Reid in the order today for us here, um, so we haven't even we, I've quoted some of that, but we haven't played the audio yet. Um, the I, I think if, if what I read was correct, I mean, he he said that Kelsey said it would have felt selfish. If Travis Kelsey would have wanted 16 yards, I don't think Andy Reid would have even thought that it was selfish. It would have been, you know, maybe risky, but it it makes a lot of sense. Now, again, I, now I'm going to create this dichotomy a little bit accidentally. When when he says Kelsey thought it would be selfish and it's just another record and he feel like, feels like he has plenty of those, that I I think that's a pretty cool energy to have about it as it's another it's another individual record, and Travis Kelsey's talked about that plenty. And now you know it's not just talk. The individual records don't move him as much. But it's another individual record, and he has plenty of those. You could say it's just some money, and Chris Jones has plenty of that. Um, I will. I, that's not the point for me. But it it makes sense, and I think that you've you sort of parsed that well. Um, with that being said, how do you view all of that from the Kelsey side? Um, not just his decision to not play, but this being the way the streak ends. I, I said all this earlier. I'll, I'll kind of get you up to speed with why it still bugs me. Not that he didn't play, but that he had the streak in this way. He had, Tra- Travis Kelsey himself had several drops that would have added up to 16 yards. Canarius Tony's offsides took away yardage that would have added up to more than 16 yards. He ended up with 88 total yards in the last three games. He was the only real target that defenses had to genuinely prepare for, pretty much at least until Rasheed Rice kind of took that step. And then even then, plenty after that, he's been the focal point of this offense. 
that combination still makes this feel like a letdown, even as he is an, an older-than-usual tight end who had 984 yards as this team's number one option. It, it's not a disappointment of a season, but it's a little bit of a disappointment of an ending for me because he he put out a 1,000-yard performance this year. He just didn't end up having the last 16 yards of it to, to have the number. Does that make sense? It does, and I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, you could point to a half dozen, maybe a dozen different moments in the season that one play, you know, turns it turns it around. I mean, he gets he gets his thousand yards. I mean, I think Travis would even tell you that you could go back to the injury before week one. I mean, he was pretty hard on himself on that on his podcast. Yeah, and he said good basically, point. basically he got hurt because he said he he kind of half-hearted a rep, you know, and he's like, if he had to do over again, he would have done it differently. Maybe he doesn't get hurt. Um, maybe that's just him being too hard on himself, but that's just how close it is. But I think that probably the right way to look at it is, you know, I mean, hey, you can always look at these things in different ways. And I would never call it cheap, but I'm sure that there would be some people who would think, well, it was kind of gimmicky if Travis had to go out there in week 18 and just, you know, put in a couple of the bats to, to get those 16 yards he needed. Um, but at the same time, the reason he had seven consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, and he'll tell you, because he was fortunate not to have any injury. Yep. You know, he sure. has been an absolute, you know, Iron Man yep. since his rookie season and just doesn't miss games, doesn't miss snaps. I mean, he, he plays through everything. And so he's been fortunate that, you know, since the microfracture in, you know, his rookie year, that he hasn't had any, you know, injuries that caused him to miss a few games that probably would have meant that he didn't get a thousand yards in one of the seven previous seasons. So, I think in the grand scheme of things, you probably just have to chalk it up to, you know what, NFL is a fluky game, and to have streaks like Travis did, you have to have luck. And if bad luck means that that's why it came to an end, I don't think he's going to have any regrets at the end of the day. Yeah, I think you're right, and I I certainly hope that if Travis Kelsey ends his professional career with regrets, it's, it's pretty dooming to the rest of us because uh, that man's accomplished everything and more than anyone ever else has at that position and still has some gas left in the tank. Certainly, I hope uh, a significant amount of gas. But, uh, Matt, I hope you've had plenty of gas in your tank. I know you're going to be on Sunday Sound Off tonight on 41. And uh, if that means you have to tolerate Mick Schaefer for a few hours, tell him to come in bright and smiling tomorrow as we'll uh, break down every nitty-gritty snap that all of the uh, the bench players got in today. Make sure he's reviewing the tape for me. Well, l- luckily I have Curtis Seabolt here with me. So between Hallelujah. Curtis and I- Curtis and I are going to put a couple of bodies on him, and we'll, we'll be fine. And we'll hear that again on Friday. Thank you, Matt. I was, ho- I was hoping you'd mark that. Me and Dylan, we've got that we've got that uh, Mahomes Kelsey brainwave thing figured out now. Just when you say things about well, what you said, I don't want to paraphrase it because I don't need to be there for it on Friday. That's just for your voice. So we will talk to you again Friday in the zone, and we'll know who the Chiefs play. Tell me this right now: it's all knotted up in the Sunday night football. Uh, a couple of turnovers and still no points. Uh, what do you expect here? If the Dolphins win, the Chiefs get Pittsburgh. If the Bills win, they get Miami. How does that make you feel right now? Uh, I think you would be hoping that it's the Steelers because if the Steelers win, the, the Chiefs' dream scenario of not having to leave Arrowhead for the next three games is still in play. I think that's what we're rooting for, and uh, we will root to talk to you again on Friday. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Josh. Take care, everybody. That's Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com. 41 is the Mike Podcast. You can see him and Curtis on Sunday Sound Off tonight on 41 after Sunday Night Football wraps up. You can listen to Sunday Night Football right here on your home for the NFL, Sports Radio 810 WHB. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and hear from Andy Reid and Chris Jones. That's next on Sports Radio 810.
and Trickery here. And Kansas City with P. Ryan. They're going to run for the first down. They pick up nine. And that'll get Kansas City a fresh set of downs. Mm. Oh, the Chargers really not playing. Mm. That play wasn't ugly. That play was beautiful. But the call? You caught the booth off guard with that fake punt, Dave Tobe. That's our ugly play of the game brought to you by We Buy Ugly Houses. Owning a house can be a problem. An ugly problem. Repairs, taxes, mowing the yard. Let We Buy Ugly Houses be the solution. Call 1-800-44-BUYER or go to webuyuglyhouses.com. Again, a great play. A little trickeration. Just caught everybody involved off guard. That makes it a little bit ugly. We will get to Andy Reid in just a moment. We will also hear from Chris Jones ever so briefly before we get you to the vast majority of Bills and Dolphins. They just hit the end of the first quarter, and you will not believe what just happened. Yeah, you will. Josh Allen threw an absolute heave from the uh, Miami 35 into the end zone that was intercepted by Miami. It was fourth and two, and so it ends up being like a punt to the you know to the touchback there um, because he caught it went down to the end zone. So you you still pick up a few yards there, I guess, if you're Buffalo. But so far, to a pick, Josh Allen pick, Dolphins punt, Josh Allen interception. Uh, before we get to Andy Reid, we'll take our last call of the day, and we'll bring in Chandler. Chandler, why don't you go ahead and tell me what's on your mind? Hey, Josh. What's up, man? This is Chandler from uh, Couch GM Media. What's going on tonight? Hi, Chandler. How you doing? Tell me about your feelings. Hey, well, I got a lot of feelings. First of all, how about uh, Josh Allen throwing a pick to Eli Apple in the year of our Lord 2024, huh? <laughs> It was a beautiful and shocking thing. I forgot he was playing football still. Yeah, yeah. That makes two of us. So uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse here with uh, Chris Jones and the Cats brother thing, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, so sitting here thinking about this, uh, like you said, Chris Jones should have been in sweats in this game, but the more I think about it, there's a real domino effect from how this summer went and how the first game against the Lions went. First of all, even if they had only Chris Jones and not Travis Kelsey in that game, I wholeheartedly believe that they win that game. And they could be playing for a two-seed. Some things go some other ways. You know, they start out, what was it, 6-1, and 7-1, if they were 7-0 at the time. Mm-hmm. They might be playing for the one seed. But the Cats brothers, they robbed Chris Jones not only of a ton of money, but did you see how awesome DeAndre Hopkins looked today? Yeah, and I all did. Season for the Titans? I did. That. That hurts. That hurts a lot. And you're telling me that even the players on social media were recruiting this guy to come, like on Instagram, Mahomes, Chris Jones, they were all basically begging DeAndre Hopkins to come to Kansas City all summer. And uh, would that have uh, helped any of the Chiefs' offensive woes, in your opinion? Do you think an 1,100-yard receiver would have helped the Chiefs this year? I would have enjoyed it very much, specifically DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like he would have solved, I don't know, almost all of the problems this offense had. Literally all the problems. If you think of I mean, it's not a one-for-one substitution for, I don't want to name-call anyone here, but maybe a number 11 or a number 19. Uh, If you had put maybe a veteran who knows how to catch the ball even with one hand in any of these games where it comes down to one possession, it it hurts to think that DeAndre Hopkins could have been on the team if the Cats brothers had not literally reached into Chris Jones' pocket and taken money out of it. At least they have to celebrate that today, though. That was enjoyable. Well, I'm, I'm... 
it's not like they saw your quote sheet or anything. That did give me some amount of some amount of joy is just knowing that we did successfully convince at least one of the Cats brothers that they were flexing at the wrong time regarding their bad contract. And so now I know at least they know that a lot of Chiefs fans understand what they did this offseason. And that, that gives me a little bit of a little bit of a spark back in my soul. And I'm glad Chris Jones got his money. Honestly, I'm very glad he got his bonus. It should never have come to that, though, obviously. Yeah, because he got what? Maybe at most was it half or a third of what he had got taken away in fines and the lost game check. And and no long-term deal and playing on another entire year on that. Now he'll hit free agency probably a year older, and it's, the, the math absolutely never worked. Uh, but, you know, got the incentives. And I was, again, glad to see it. So Chris Jones deserved better. That's he all did. I can say. He absolutely did. We didn't deserve better, though, because we got the best. Thank you, Chandler. All right, let's uh, let's pivot over to the uh, the Andy Reid side. Appreciate everybody who called in and sounded off today with the most important things. Man, the Cats brothers make me angry, but Andy Reid does not make me angry. We'll hear the head coach's press conference brought to you by Robert Brogdon's Olathe Buick GMC and Olathe Kia. Get a worry-free money-back guarantee on new vehicles when you buy from Brogdon. Visit BrogdonAutomotive.com. Also, Andy Reid's Pressers brought to you by Westlake Commercial, a division of Westlake Ace Hardware, your local business-to-business supply partner. Their commercial team, dedicated business-to-business website, credit terms, and convenience store locations make it easy. Visit your local Westlake Ace Hardware store or WestlakeHardware.com slash commercial today. We'll start from the top here. Andy Reid's opening statement and the injury report out of the Chiefs' Week 18 showdown. Um, Justin Ross came out with a hamstring, and uh, Jalen Watson got knee in the calf. So I, I think for the most part we came out relatively healthy. Thank, uh, thank you to the fans for showing up and doing a nice job. Um, what a game on both sides. I mean, Giff uh, rallying these guys to play like they are. Um, really shows the character of the team and uh, what they can do. I was proud of our young guys for the <clears throat> for the job that they did, um, and uh, and then uh, Blaine Gabbard with the <laughs> with the long runs. I mean, who would have thought that um, he did a great job with it? P Ryan, McColl, you know, they, these guys uh, they did a nice job. The offensive line kind of makeshifted in there and. We were able to get some young guys reps. It was great to get uh, Chris that sack, the one sack, and um, took him a little bit. He had, I think, eight hurries getting there, so he really played a good game, but um, it took him a while to get the actual sack. Uh, Mike Edwards uh, with a touchdown off of Charles's uh, big hit. And then Malik and the other young guys, I thought, just finished finished the game off uh, well. The the stand down uh, in the red zone there, goal line area. Uh, to make them kick a, f- a field goal. I thought that was big. Next up here from Andy Reid talks about the decision to not have Travis Kelsey play and, of course, the decision to have Travis or have Chris Jones play, starting off here by uh, answering how much that sack meant to Chris Jones. Yeah, well, you could see by the response of the players that it meant, it meant a bunch. Um, uh, not only to him, but to, to the guys. They were all on board pulling for him, and uh, uh, that's kind of the neat thing about that, so... Uh, but yeah, it, it, you know that's a couple of cheeseburgers right there that he made. So, <laughs> what, what, what went into your decision to to allow him to play until he got that sack? Yeah, well, first of all, he he, he wanted to, the opportunity, so um, gave him the opportunity. Uh, started off with third downs, and then and as it went on, he played a couple first and second downs. But he, you know, he wanted to get that done. 
corollary to that. Travis didn't play. Can you just describe what went into the decision to? Yeah, Travis might. He is a humble, humble guy, and so he just. It's different because of the financial part of it with Chris. He didn't want to be selfish or come across as selfish. I mean, everybody's all the players want him to play, but he just goes, you know what? I don't like the way it feels. Um, he's not into that, and so he chose not to play. And um, um, I, I completely understand it, uh, but that's that's him. I mean, that's most guys would have gone out and probably done it, but. He he, uh, he said, "I've got a lot of records. Uh, this one here, um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to do it this way." I get it. I mean, he still would have done it in 16 games played because he missed week one. And it's interesting that Reed says the players wanted him to be out there for it as well. But again, I I certainly understand it. And if especially if Kelsey thought, hey, you know what, I could use a week of not full participating in practice, a week of not getting hit on Sunday. Would have been very cool, frustrating to end the way that it did for reasons we've already talked about. But it uh, it's where they ended up going here, and that's what Andy Reid begins talking about here again. Uh, you know, do you, do you think about letting Kelsey get out there to get 16 yards? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, yeah. Coach, with, uh, McCall was able to put together a solid game. Um, what's your thoughts on his performance and, you know, him going forward, you know, as far as joining that receiver room? Yeah, he. Um, I thought he did a, did a nice job out there. A couple of things he can work on, but he, he he played hard, and it was good experience for him to get out there, just kind of getting back into that football shape, play after play after play. So, um, uh, and we'll see, we'll see where it goes from there. But you know, we know McColl, we know what he can do, and so um, you know, I, I just think the getting out and playing was the biggest thing for him. He hadn't been had a chance to do that. Uh, different things with your line, you kind of had to with some of the injuries, but um, you had, I guess, Creed back in there at guard, and was Alec Reddy playing center? Or at, at yeah, um, yeah, the Caliendo, and uh, both those two were kind of rotating in there, and then uh, we had the other, the three starters, the inside three, they were kind of rotated guard, and then Joe, you know, we had the injury, Joe went outside for a little bit, did that, so yeah, we had guys all over the place, but they all could play, that's why Andy's train the guys. They all know all the positions and jump in and, and go. Coach Reed, how does this win today help you guys? Uh, just the mentality in the locker room for the playoffs next week? Yeah, so I mean, it's good to get the win, for sure. I mean, we came 2,000 miles to to get a win, and uh, the guys, I, I thought they I, I think it, it, it uplifts you, especially for those young guys that don't have a chance to play, to say, hey, listen, I got in. Not only did I get in, but we won the game. I think that's positive. I do, too. I, I think that's, again, it's just nice to have, given the opportunity. It's true in the preseason as well, in games that do not matter even more than this game doesn't matter. Uh, this one may have affected, like, you know, your Chiefs over-under on the season or whatever. But um, the the young guys who do get involved, now they have won a game as a significant player for the Kansas City Chiefs. That might mean something for Cam Jones entering next season, like Matt and I were talking about last segment. So I think that's I think that's good to hear. Last thing here from Andy Reid, uh, talking about how the defense played in his view. Yeah, no, I thought that was great. I mean, that was a that was a nice job by uh, by our defense, and the the coordinators had simplified things down so the guys could play fast, and that's what they did. And uh, uh, so I that was good. That was a good thing. All right, thank you. We're all good, and uh, so was the Chiefs' defense in their effort here tonight. That is going to kick off and get pretty close to the end of our Locker Room Report presented by Twin Peaks. 
The Chiefs Locker Room Report is brought to you by Twin Peaks. No one does football like Twin Peaks. Whatever your preference, they have everything from tequila cocktails and an extensive bourbon category to top-shelf spirits and cocktails served over ice balls. Local craft beers and handcrafted whiskey cocktails round out an adventurous drink menu, second to none. And don't forget about their 29-degree man-sized drafts at Twin Peaks. Here's the weird thing tonight. They're in L.A. It's week 18. The game didn't really matter. We have not seen or heard or found anything resembling Blaine Gabbert audio. It hasn't existed. It does not, maybe never existed. I haven't seen a single quote. I don't know. The Chiefs may have, again, week 18 on the road, probably a pretty small group of local reporters out there that, that traveled. Maybe they just said, we'll give you Andy Reid at the podium and then we'll hit you in the uh, the locker room. I'm not sure. But I do not think we are going to have a proper quarterback press conference tonight. And so, while I apologize to our friends at the Kansas City Acura dealers, we'll talk about Kansas City Acura in a second. Here's what I'm going to offer you, Kansas City Acura. I'm going to give you Chris Jones, the quarterback of the defense, and in many, many ways, the quarterback of this game tonight. So we'll bring you some sound from Chris Jones, brought to you by Kansas City Acura Dealers. As our hometown team marches through another epic year, visit your Kansas City area Acura Dealers to score jaw-dropping deals on new and pre-owned Acura models. Plus, get overpaid for your trade. Shop your Kansas City area Acura Dealers. And uh, Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star, who you can hear on the Border Patrol right here on A10. Jesse was, uh, and still is, I believe, in Los Angeles for this game. And uh, he tweeted out a little bit of his interaction as Chris Jones spoke to the media and a bit of a scrum out there in L.A. Again, Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star with this audio. Here's Chris Jones talking about the limited role he was supposed to play in tonight's game. What was the conversation like during the week? Did you have any convincing to play? Um, it was, you know, yeah. Uh, I was only supposed to play for one quarter. I can't. One quarter, turned to two quarters, two quarters, turned to please come let me get one more drive. And you know what I mean? So, thankful to Coach Reed that um, he allowed me to play because this was more so about bye week. And I didn't have to play, you know. Grateful for the chance to do it, and uh, here at Sam McDowell of the Star with the question at the front. So a big shout out, big courtesy of to Jesse Newell and Sam McDowell of the Kansas City Star. You can see the video that Jesse tweeted out there at Jesse Newell on Twitter. With that, the regular season's come to a close. The Kansas City Chiefs, for their many many ups and downs, have ended this season. At the top of the AFC West, as the three seed in the in the AFC, and the NFC would have been wild, and we are getting closer to knowing who they will play next week in Arrowhead. I'll tell you this: Miami has scored a touchdown on Sunday Night Football. The Bills have the ball back, and they are moving. There's about eight minutes and change left in Sunday Night Football. We will bring you all of the rest of that right here on your home for the NFL Sports Radio 810 WHB. Final takeaways from Chiefs Chargers, though, in the minute we have left. Some young players did make plays. Cam Jones all over. Felix Nudike Uzama, BJ Thompson, Neil Farrell all getting valuable work on that defensive line rotation. Saw a little bit from Justin Ross, a lot from McCole Hardman. And really the story of this game in so many ways was about Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. As I said at the beginning, it's a frustrating way for Kelsey to not have the extension of the record that already belonged to him. Seven consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons for a tight end is a record, breaking his own record of six. 
breaking his own record of five, breaking his own record of four, breaking Greg Olson's record of three. Olsen with three and a bunch of guys with two is all Travis Kelsey has behind him. He's the greatest tight end of all time. Argue with somebody else. Chris Jones, an incredibly important player on this team. It's unfortunate that he had to be out there in a bye week type of game to earn his money, but I'm glad he did. I'm glad the Chiefs got the win, and I'm glad the next time we'll be talking to you on this show, it will be after a postseason game. We'll talk to you again tomorrow when we know who the Chiefs will be playing. In the meantime, enjoy Sunday Night Football. Dolphins, Bills, to find out who's coming to Arrowhead next week. Will it be Miami or Pittsburgh? Find out right here on 810. Bye, Mom.